Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back, everyone, to Podside. Uh, this is, of course, Carlo. Uh, today, we are joined by none other than Pete and Chris. Hello, gents. Hey. Hey, man. How you doing? All right. And so I, I basically got us all together to talk about... I, I actually gave y'all some homework. <laughs> Read the fisherman, I said. Yes. And you guys said, oh, do I have to? And I said, yes, it's for an episode. Come on, man. And I assigned The Fisherman by John Langan. Uh, Actually, uh, this won a Stoker in 2016. Nice. Uh, So it's been around for for a fair bit, but it is a a book that I've already reread at least twice. Wow. So, um, in any case... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to predict the future. We're going to have a mysterious surprise guest at any moment. <laughs> at any moment. Mm-hmm. Is someone knocking on is someone knocking on your door, Pete? A, a, a figure a figure arises from the deep. <laughs> Who could it be now? Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we may get him too. <laughs> well, you know, Chewy, uh, it doesn't really matter who who is actually at the door. <laughs> <laughs> he will kill them equally well that's the, that's the thing i mean like i i, f- I found the the i guess for now let's say creatures in this terrifying but if something like that showed up at my door like uh chewy would go holy shit ambulatory fish and just go to town <laughs> <laughs> he loves sh- he loves fish jerky <laughs> absolutely i mean the neighbors would complain but we he would have saved my life excellent <laughs> All right. So, uh, in any case, let me, um, since we are still awaiting our mystery guest, who might it be? Hmm. Um, so, uh, Chris, had mm-hmm. you ever, had you heard about this at all? Or the, Yes, I, I had heard about it. I actually, I think uh, from you, Carlo, I think when you first originally uh, had read this, you, you had recommended it um, and just kind of raved about it. And uh you know, so it's always been in the back of my mind of something to get around to. So I'm glad you you finally gave us that homework to do it. So because, man, yeah, it was definitely worth the you know the pounding through it the past couple of nights. Yeah. I, so um, I I think I may have mentioned this before, but uh, this was a book that I started like on the last day of vacation. Like I was like the last night I was going to be in Maine for a week in Maine was like a rainy day. And so, it was, you know, there's nothing to do. It's yeah, rain mm. with, you know, threat of thunder, blah, blah, blah. So you can't even really go outside to the, to the pond or anything. So it was, you know, it was a read and, and play board games type of day. I, I cracked this. Finally, I had it on my Kindle 
started it, tore through about half of the book before I needed to go to sleep because I needed to drive back. And hmm. all the way back, I, I swear to God, I mean, I was trying to be present in the moment and singing along with all the songs we had on our playlist and stuff like that. But in the back of my mind, I was just sitting there going like, man, I can't wait till we get back home. I can finish this fucking thing, man. <laughs> hey guys. Like, I was willing to be like, hey, man. Hello. Mystery guest. Are you from the city by the black ocean? <laughs> no. Well, Philadelphia. No. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> so something something is up with my microphone. Um, so hope, how, how does my audio sound? You're a little echoey. All right, give me a second. Go for it. Okay, I'm gonna be right back, guys. Okay, so just uh, if go you know, for go, it. Go ahead. I'll just join in. Yes. So, Carlo, I have a request. Go for it. <laughs> uh, if if you so desire, for for sure. I I just like to show that, like you know, some of us are old hands at this. <laughs> I was just gonna I was just gonna like manually start seeing like do 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 is that oh does that sound better? The music is gone. How did that happen? Does that, does yeah, that sound better. better? Yes. Okay, good. Much better. All right. Hey, Kurt. Hey. Uh, so were, I have a confession. Go for I, it. I did. I had to. Well, you know what? I'll tell you. You know what? I ne Never mind. I don't have a confession. I will. I will confess live on the air. Oh. Oh, I, I have some marvelous news for you, buddy. <laughs> you are live on the air. Oh, I am? Oh, you great. Are. Well, lovely. <laughs> no, no, don't don't be shy now. Oh, oh, well, um, so I had to reconnect now, so I'm not sure what the discussion was, but I'll tell you, to finish this on time, uh, I had to resort to what I call the Demian, <laughs> uh, which is a technique that I invented in a moment of panic. Uh, and I guess it was 11th grade in uh, the the final uh, for a, uh, a literature class um, for which I was to have but did not read Herman Hesse's novel Demian. Um, and I had, I believe, two hours to complete the essay uh, exam for my final grade, which I think was like 40% of my final grade. Uh, I had not even cracked th this novel. I don't believe I'd even read the, the jacket copy. And so what I decided to do was read every fifth page <laughs> of the novel and to spend 30 to 45 minutes, I, I, I did some back of the napkin math, uh, reading the novel or, or one fifth of it. Um, and then I would attempt to do the exam and it worked and I passed the exam. So I read the first 
two thirds ish of this novel in the conventional side uh, way, and then the last third uh, I did the Demian <laughs> to finish on go. time. Although, so, although I did a modified one, I didn't read every fifth page. Instead, I read the first two and last two sentences of every paragraph. <laughs> there you go. All right, but but you know what, buddy? This isn't some measly test. This is much more serious. This, this is, is podcasting. podcasting. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Well, did did Chris go fishing for? Oh no, Chris. I I hope Chris didn't go to Dutchman's Creek to go fish. That would be appropriate, but bad news. Ooh. Well, I I think. There's a couple of things we could do. We could give up on my dumb theory of just rolling with it, or we can just sort of keep keep going and let Chris hop in because, like, he's a hero. He can cope. Yep, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right. So, um, in any case, uh, this uh, I, I think I was uh, talking about like my experience of like just basically like just barreling through this this book uh, within like. S- something like a day and a half you know something that that is so rare for me these days that uh it's it's something that sticks in my memory and uh in any case uh so the 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 story is uh yes it involves fishing there is plenty of talk of fishing in the first two maybe three chapters (laughs) and i was really sort of surprised by uh how quickly we get to the story within the story, which we can get to in a bit, but um, the, I, no, I think it's, it's not even correct to call it a story within a story. I think that the part that is uh, that you are led to believe is the story is more like a story around the story. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's also um, because this, uh, you know, so, so it's pretty clear from the beginning that, that, uh, Langan is having a little bit of fun. Uh, he wants you to obviously think that this is a riff on, uh, Moby Dick because, you know, don't call me Abraham, call me Abe, uh, is, I believe the first lines in the book. Um, and so Abe is fully fleshed out. We get to almost uh, within that first chapter. It's it's almost like one of those uh, tearjerker Pixar uh, things, right? Where you get to live basically Abe's entire like last ten years of his life within that one chapter where he got married uh, to uh, a, a sadly a problematic a problematic age gap in that uh, marriage, uh, which is what the horror is really about. It's the problematic <laughs> age gap. No, no, it's not. Um, well, that, that only Murray, got worse as time went on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, there. Uh, so, so then his uh, young bride, within two years of them getting married, dies of can- of uh, was it breast cancer? I, I forget, but it was like basically she dies of cancer. And uh, he he's still grieving. He hits the bottle hard and uh, then makes a turnaround uh, and starts fishing instead. Um, and that's where, you know, sort of like where the, the story tapers off uh, as he sort of is coming back to regular life, but still, you know, still holding that ache of, of grief. Um, 
So, uh, and then in in that period of time, he gets a coworker, a uh, younger guy, straight out of MIT, has a horrific accident. Like basically, is the only survivor. Brand like basically, his new wife and two kids are just you know killed at an intersection in town. Um, and so he helps the younger guy sort of get try to get through his grief by sort of just the manly sport of fishing where you know you 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 can sit out uh two people can sit by the side of the river and not share five words between themselves because it'll spook the fish <laughs> yeah i mean this would have gone a lot differently if he'd have just like gotten into fishing in stardew valley or something like that <laughs> was it pro bass uh pro bass uh, player uh six on There's the switch a moral for you, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of the breath of the wild games where you fish or whatever i don't know mm. anyway yeah it's, it's absolutely correct pete uh there would have been a digital leviathan <laughs> oh my god that would almost be scarier <laughs> <laughs> So it's the the beginning of this. Um, the, I this might just me being uh, might be me having boss baby brain and just interpreting everything as what if Gene Wolfe had written this? <laughs> um, but there's a lot of there, there's a lot of what feels like stylistic uh, reference points. Like I wouldn't call them references, but there's a lot of stuff in different parts of of the novel. Um, that feel like they are evoking either intentionally or just because like it's good shit to to pull from, you know, different traditions in horror. And the beginning very much put me in mind of uh, two two authors in particular. One is uh, Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like there's a lot of structural similarities with what happens to, to Dan um to uh, pet cemetery and like a lot of the central tension and like some of the concept is is you know quite similar there uh the other the other person um who i felt that the the beginning was very evocative of was uh laird baron um in particular he has a story called uh the 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 lagerstadt uh which is in uh, occultation is uh, one of his uh, short story collections um which is about a woman um, who loses her uh, husband and and family in an accident, and then kind of gradually uncovers what may be a ritual to cross over, um, and or a metaphor for suicide. Um, but like, there's a lot of just just like little bits and pieces of language, and like you, you know, I not you know, I it's it's it just feels like a it it felt like a this feels like a novel that's in in conversation is a good way of putting it with different different horror authors and different horror traditions, but not in an annoying way, like not in a way where it's like oh this is doing a like a riff on this. It's just like oh yeah, like this really reminds me of something else, and I, uh, that that also might just be me you know, imprinting on, on things like a baby duckling. <laughs> well, I, in some ways I feel like, like th- this author who I, who I don't know from beans is, is very good with structure. Like one of the things I started to think about, and it's not even true. I don't even know if it's true, but I mean, I, it convinced me is that the story of, of Dan and the main character is, 
is almost like a like a mirror of the story of the fisherman and the old rich dude. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh yeah, very much. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. and like little things like that. Like that didn't have to happen to make this story walk. But like he he was really he was building a complex little diorama here. Yeah, and it 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 zooms in and out on on things. Like there's really there's really like three big stories in this. There's the outer story um of uh Dan and the narrator whose name escapes me. I don't uh, oh Abe, uh, Abe. Like Abe. Duh. Um then there's the story of the fisherman and uh Cornelius um and then there's the story of the fisherman and uh Helen and George and uh Rainer um and and th- these each kind of play out uh, to to their own full extent and they have very different feels to them like the stuff with Cornelius and, and the fisherman is very HP Lovecraft uh mr james um like there's even and uh, there, there's even some stuff and and that 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 like creeps into other areas too like there's a description of a painting um that really put in in the diner where this where like the kind of sub story gets told that puts me in mind of the mr james story the mezzotint um and it's just yeah to, to your point though p it's very like it it's not annoying when it goes on these long, long book length digressions and it feels you never feel detached from the main narrative. Like, mm-hmm. like even though it switches narrators completely um, to, I think his name is Howard who narrates the, yeah the story that takes place in, in like the late 1800s or like, like early 1900s um, feels, feels distinct, but you feel connected still to the story of 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 Abe and Dan, and you're like, oh yeah, like they're listening to this. It doesn't feel like like it blipped out, and you suddenly come. It it, it doesn't feel like like the framing story in uh in Interview with a Vampire, where you get to the end and you're like, oh right, this was a story that was being told. I wonder what's up with that. Yeah. 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 I will say every time you say Cornelius and I try and fit this that in my head, I have the picture of Dr. Cornelius from Planet of the Apes and it's like his wife <laughs> Zira dies. <laughs> <laughs> well, wh- how, how do you think they they settled uh they settled the planet? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the Dutch, damn it. <laughs> Get what your was hands beneath off the planet me. of the apes? Yeah. It was the Black Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Get your hands off me, you damn dirty dutch (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean like going into the structure it it, you know at one point it's basically like four levels like story within a story like because there's the story abe is telling us there's the story howard is telling him who's telling a story that was told to howard by reverend maple that was i forgot about that yeah yeah yeah. maple Maple gets it from lottie correctly who, who was reiner's uh who was reiner's uh kiddo Yep. Uh, and then there's also like there's interesting little side bits that yeah. are included in that story that aren't part of the main narrative but uh I I love when you go back to uh the 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 main story where Abe and Dan get back into the <laughs> leave the diner after like sitting there for who knows how long. <laughs> yeah, must- they're like sitting there like a well, 
Yeah, it, it, it's almost it's almost a well that happened moment, and then Abe is like, yeah, that that, and then that 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 painting. Did did you think about that? He's like, what what painting are you talking about, Abe? He's like, oh shit, and it it sort of lends credence to what uh, Abe says before he starts that uh, he felt like parts of the story like it had filled out. It, the, mm. the story had passed on to him like it was like almost like it's a meme or something that's alive. Yeah, and it's like like know, sort of pool branched or out and colonized his own his own mind. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and like you know, even despite hearing like possibly the most horrific story you'll ever hear, they're still just like, yeah, let's go check it out. <laughs> like, and I, I think that's like the you know the the draw of of that area, the, the Dutchman's <laughs> Creek. It is it is kind of funny the idea that like the guy working in a diner comes over to you and tells you an H.P. Lovecraft story. <laughs> it's amazing. I love Off it. Off the top of his head. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 it's also, you, you laugh, but I've, I've sat there and thought to myself, like, who, who, who in the wedding party let the old, salty, old, bearded wild-eyed guy into the wedding party in rhyme of the ancient mariner and he grabs the first motherfucker he sees is like i gotta tell you a story <laughs> watch out for those albatross you know it'd be awesome i have a picture of this happening in new hampshire so the guy sits down and tries to tell somebody their story it's like no 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 we don't give a shit about that who are you going to vote for in the primaries and why <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting that this was specifically set in like the Catskills and stuff like that, because there's such a strong like history of like folklore in that area. Like, you know, going back to even like Washington Irving and things like that, um, that I think that like having all these stories be related through word of mm -hmm. mouth is like very appropriate rather than like, you know, Abe going to the library and finding the dusty tome and yes, like, that kind of yes. And and to your point, Washington Irving even Washington Irving even comes up and is like linked within the narrative mm -hmm. to, you know, like not the main narrative, but like, oh, he was just repurposing, you know, he was just repurposing, you know, old German folk tales. And Rainer basically goes, well, what if there are places where basically folk tales are, you know, the 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 unnatural world is closer to the surface and and that was one of them. And this is also. One of them, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, I I really like so to your point about the cat skills, I really liked that. I really liked how that that sense of place and time, because um the narrative with Dan see uh, the the end of the book mentions nine eleven. Not not at a <laughs> <laughs> no, not not really like, remember like me, it yeah. turns out that Abe is is narrating this in in uh, Tower One, <laughs> but 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 oh. it, it it is mentioned. So so like clearly this is this is you know post nine eleven when he as the narrator is addressing it. But the events with Dan seem to happen in I I gathered like the the mid to late eighties, mm -hmm. um because he kind of references like. The changing of IBM, of IBM yeah. from what it used to be into like its modern form of like management consulting, and he's you know there's there's references to like VHSs and stuff, um, but but it's a really nice sense of yeah to your point, Chris, like an an area that has some kind of a slight unnatural quality. Mm -hmm. I really loved his description of um, you know driving through 
mountains and he says like you get the sense that there are secret like hidden places here like you come around the bend in a road and you see a farmhouse in a field that doesn't seem like it like it could have been there Mm -hmm. and i've certainly had that exact experience driving through parts of like you know uh the mid appalachians yep um which which I, I'm sure someone is going to go, actually, it's Appalachians. <laughs> it's not in Pennsylvania. That's not how people talk in Pennsylvania. It comes up this way, too. So eat it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and and like the Adirondacks, the Catskills uh, and the Appalachians have a weird folkloric quality to them when you're in them. And this is a great job of, of capturing that just in passing. Like it's not even like about that. It just feels like it, like it grasps onto that. And it carries that aesthetic through it in mm-hmm. a really delightful um, way. Or even just like the mentioning of like, oh, yeah, like the diner was open and was thriving. And then it closed for reasons I like I never quite understood. Like it was always busy. How did it close? I've I've had that exact experience with, with stuff in areas like that. We're like, man, this was always busy. How did it close? Um, so there, there's like there's like little rings of 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 truth that really make this feel grounded in a way that it could easily not feel that way Mm -hmm. like it doesn't feel like set dressing it feels somehow intrinsic to the texture of the story that's right yeah well i mean i think it also speaks to that particular time as well like when when abe is starting to notice how uh you know sort of like on a personal level how his job is slowly scaling back mm-hmm. and you know like the, the the jobs are deteriorating and you know and slowly but surely like some it's like water that's slowly eating away at the foundations right mm-hmm. which i think is sort of like a theme throughout right mm-hmm. right up until the very end it's like this idea that the 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 world of the black ocean is slowly but surely sort of like disintegrating what we consider to be like the real world and we're getting to see the real real underneath mm-hmm. and it's all chaos mm-hmm. yeah that's i that- really go sorry go ahead oh i was just like that that's a thematic thing that really caught me was the idea of like of tearing back the mask is something that happened again and again here and mm. normally normally when when i feel uh that it's not very subtext and it's it's basically text on an author's part it kind of gets on my nerves but like he like he did it well and the fact that this story is a banger would make me forgive it even if he didn't do it well i I think i think well well, go ahead kurt oh no i'm i'm about to i I was about to pivot uh, like off of that into like a different topic and it sounds like you have something more specific to say about about what Pete said so please say it <laughs> I, I was just gonna say that um you you're absolutely correct uh Pete uh, I I agree that when it's it becomes very much uh the the author has decided to put themes directly into the text you know and have like could you imagine how insufferable it would have been like Abe going like Dan, it's the 80s. They're downsizing everywhere. We got to help you get back on your feet, man. <laughs> that would have been horrible. But that's not what happens, right? Uh, you know, uh, Langan is more, much more restrained. And I feel mm. like to a certain degree, the, um, the sort of display of, 
uh, masculine bonding and affection for each other, stunted though it is, is very feels very true uh in in a very like that that extension of extending your bubble a little bit to include someone else but not you don't want to go overboard and push them away or or come come across the the wrong way you know mm-hmm. you'll you'll nod in greeting but you won't hug that type of that type of masculinity that Abe probably shares and uh so does Dan yeah, I I really liked the yeah. There there's there's a there was a lot of texture to Abe considering how he approached Dan as a friend. I really liked, um, in particular, him kind of agonizing over like, do I acknowledge like he's talking about his wife, but he's only but Dan's only talking about his wife, um, and never mentioning his kids, and he's talking about and I'm talking about my wife, but only before we got married because if i talked about our marriage it would be unavoidable that i mentioned her 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 illness and death and like i don't like like i don't know if he's ready to have that discussion so they're both kind of doing this weird like play acting um and then at one point dan like acknowledges his wife's death and he's like okay i'm going to go out on a limb and ask a question about it and like and and it's just very well done and to your point like it it is a little i i I don't know that i would call it stunted so much as cagey and there's an aspect to it that is definitely like awkward but there's also a lot of like real compassion in the way that abe reacts to to dan even though dan like there's a lot of hints that dan is kind of a dickhead Mm -hmm. um under under the surface uh like not not a dickhead but he's a he's a bit abrasive um, like even when he initially invites Dan, um, you know what? Abrasive isn't even the right word. D- Dan has a core of anger that Abe doesn't, mm-hmm. and it 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 pops up. Like when when Abe first invites Dan fishing, Dan isn't sure if he's being made fun of, and he and he's constantly mentioning like you know his his face took on this expression of like like not anger but like. He was prepared to be angry, and he does that throughout the story a, mm. a bunch of times in a way that that I thought was like very well done. Like both of their b- both of them felt like very distinctive um, characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the character work is definitely there, and it's it's what makes the the ending feel much more brutal than mm-hmm. than it than it could have been if you know they'd just been two guys. You know, and and, and also like um, it, it's not. None of this is played for laughs. Uh, you know, like, uh, I think that there's this real um, sincerity and vulnerability in the way that Langan presents both Abe and Dan that makes you want to root for them, even if, you know, Abe is, you know, who he is and Dan is a bit of a dick. Uh, you, you don't, you don't want to see bad things happen to them, but, you know... <laughs> Well, what happens when you become a little fixated on stuff that you shouldn't be is that uh, bad things happen. We're we're all of an age where we have had to embrace grief at one time or another. And so, like, I look at Dan and, like, was he an asshole? Well, yeah, but he was within the acceptable bounds of asshole yeah, yeah, of somebody who lost it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. I, um... Uh, I. 
Oh, sorry. Kurt, uh, I, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, uh, I, I wasn't sure if you, you wanted to, to pivot off into oh, the other direction. I, I did. So let, let me, let me, let me ask this of the various chunks of the story, which I think take on different styles and qualities and kind of have different interests and, and, and focuses and different voices. Was there, were there any that worked better for you all? And were there any that worked not, not as good for you all? Um, hmm. I think at the deepest level, when we're getting the Reiner, uh, and Italo and, and, you know, and, and the whole, the whole group that ends up going to try to fix the problem that their uh, that one of their coworkers started. Um, I think that's partly some of the strongest stuff it felt uh, maybe, maybe strong isn't the right word. It felt much more like a, a more heroic version of like an, a, a, a call of Cthulhu uh, type of uh, story, right? Where you get the investigators, somebody knows a little bit of something where they might have a chance. And that feels really sort of fun and dynamic and, and so on, even though they're pitted against forces that, that they can't really beat. They can at least beat them enough for now. And those and forces are corruptive. That too, yeah. I think that the, for me, after that, when we get Dan, who, the, 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 the little stretch when he's coming into the city on the Black Ocean uh, in present day might be, it's interesting, but I think it's the weakest part. And that's not saying much, mainly because it's the weakest part of a, of a, a book that is pretty much strong all the way through. It's just the, the, the slightest difference I felt. I don't know. And then, he, I mean, the thing, I, I also feel like the, the end, he nails the ending in such a way for me that I'm willing to overlook that small moment where it didn't seem to really work for me. So I, I had something of the opposite uh, experience. I, f I, I admit, I have to admit, by the end of the, 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 the Reiner, Jacob, Helen section, I was a little bit bored with the heroic narrative it was very well done mm. um but i felt like it would have worked better as a uh, as like a short story maybe or like an actual like novella because it felt to me like it it i i, I would have liked reiner's character to remain a little bit more vague and i mm. didn't i didn't really like the big info dump that that he ultimately does or or if it if it had just ended um sooner because that 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 info dump about what happened with like him and Wilhelm was very good imagery but it all kind of happens like after that business with the fisherman initially has been wrapped up um and i don't know it just it, to to your point the the heroic narrative was was good but it it went on a bit longer than i would have preferred and i didn't feel like the action writing crackled with energy quite so much as the more horror ominous um, stuff, all the stuff with Helen, I thought was terrific. And the initial like descent down into uh, the, the, the Dort 
Dort Manor. Dort Manor mm-hmm. was was terrific. Um, and like when you finally see like you know the the shore of the black ocean with these like you know these these felled tree stumps and these you know thousands of not millions of lines trying to to catch a god that was all terrific but but then when they were like fist fighting <laughs> they were like fist fighting the evil wizard i was like this is cool but it feels like it's drifted into a different sort of um story that that is kind of eroding some of the tension that had been built up by the by the not knowing it reminded me Mm -hmm. a bit of the part in event horizon where um uh they are able to temporarily disable sam neil's character by hitting him over the head with a fire extinguisher (laughs) (laughs) okay now i want to go on the record i am not speaking for kurt here okay um i had a similar experience to his but I attribute at least a portion of it to the fact that I was rushed. Mm-hmm. The fact that that center story was so descriptive and did uh, try and paint a picture was annoying when I had to get to the end of the damn thing so we could do the episode. <laughs> I I was definitely <laughs> rushing, and it definitely occurred to me that like would I would I like this more if I weren't just blitzing through the book, and maybe. Um, but I also think that you and I, having read this book in a mad panic, um, you know, skipping from paragraph to to paragraph uh, as a fisherman trying to stay above a category two uh, rapid, um, which don't don't do that by the way. Don't jump from rock to rock above a category two rapid. You'll die. That's 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 terrible. Um, <laughs> that's, that was a terrible metaphor. <laughs> no, uh, but. Um, a uh, good life lesson, but, sure. But it's it's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um it's it does give us a different context of like, well, how how does how does how do all parts of this work fit fit together? And I think that whether it's strong or not, there is definitely a break in what the story is doing, if not like a genre shift, uh o- o- almost there right 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 in the middle. Um because I think we you can kind of unambiguously say that if if that section were written in the same style as some of the other sections, it probably wouldn't have that protracted battle scene in the middle of it. That that that's just mm-hmm. something that typically wouldn't happen in the type of narrative that the rest of of the book is. So whether that works or not might might vary, but it's clearly a big a big change in in tone and style. Yeah, one of the uh, I did, have I cut someone off. I think there was someone else who wanted to say something, and I'm going off on my own riff. So let me check in. Nope. Okay. So one of the things that I like about this book that I generally don't like about books is there's sort of a kitchen sink approach here. Like I do like books that have a tendency to be like like lean and mean and not quite to the Hemingway point but like when so when when the pitch of a book is the prose i'm sort of like well we are in the photography era i don't need that as much as i would have in 1840 mm-hmm. but like one of the the neat things about this is like I I'm pretty sure I could turn around and reread this and take it in a different way because like there I just just reading it the first time I really felt there are two parallel reads and one is like a a, a banger about fighting ultimate evil and the Walking Dead and the other is you know this is an exploration of coping with grief 
Mm-hmm. And like that's that's a bitch to do hopping between those two things without without clear transitions. Uh, one thing I I, I I was thinking about earlier, um, Kurt, when you mentioned that this <laughs> that the the that it felt very Wolfian. Um, I I also think that part of that is uh, to to Pete's point the like that three you remember the the three level approach to stories uh you know you, you have what the plowman sees you know what the uh, I oh, forget what the other two yes yeah now I remember and and this story seems to have several levels to it that definitely work I mean um I I I think I agree with you um both that the th- there's two denouements in in the book right there's mm-hmm. the denouement uh, after the main like the 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 Reiner you know the turn of the century uh, Ashokan Reservoir uh, you know like uh, uh, stonemasons gang you know going going to save the world or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and that has to then have its own denouement because. Yeah, that that's its own full story, um, and then you get sort of the echo of that, like as the bookend at the end, right? Um, so yeah, you, you sort of get two endings there. I don't know, um, but but yeah, I, I do think that it, it works on several layers, like the the emotional layer, like you were saying, Pete, about you know struggling with grief, and as a uh, metaphor or perhaps an allegory for what that feels like, um, you know, and and sometimes how it can also feel like a mythic, you know, a, a struggle of mythic proportions, even though you have to you know, go in and check in to work every day, because that's what people expect of you. You know, that's welcome to adulthood, motherfucker. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, uh, th- there is that, but then there's also just the, the absolutely terrifying idea of like oh the world that you think is real uh yeah yeah that we we we, we like to think that uh but there's a a layer below us and you don't want any part of that <laughs> there's a black ocean that, that lives underneath our world oh and you're like oh. go ahead you know what i liked you're mentioning um you're you're running through some of that just like jogged my, my memory about two other things one uh, I love stories where stuff uh, happened somewhere and then they put a reservoir on top of it. Because uh, that also <laughs> happens in uh, The Color Out of Space, uh, of, of course, most most famously. Um, there's, there's, there's a couple other things where something's similar. Also something Deliverance. Similar. Also Deliverance. Yeah. That is true. Oh, Brother Where Art Thou? Yes, true. That That is true as well. Um, yeah, I just love that. I love that. I don't know why. It's just cool. Um, the other thing is, uh, there's a couple just little neat flourishes. I really liked the explanation that, um, uh, I forget, I, I forget who it was. Oh, it's like the, 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 the junior coroner who comes for Helen's or comes for George's body initially and helen like tells him some kind of evil secrets uh and then mm-hmm. goes and kills his boss and then kills uh his his uh, fiance um that there was a folk song written about it and pete Seeger used to you know used to sing it uh sometimes i really liked that just little that just like little like aside about uh, about the song um mm-hmm. if 
if I'm if I might compare it to something similar, uh, which which was uh, where Oaken Hearts do uh, is it wander? Do yeah, Oaken Hearts do go- gather. gather gather it gather. that that was it was it tapped into the same thing, but I liked it better because it was an aside and it it didn't try to spool it out to to full length. It it was mm-hmm. I I feel like it's a very powerful mechanism to be like oh yeah and there's a folk song about some kind of weird incident but it doesn't tell the whole story worked really well or, here in or, a way that it yeah, did when when expanded to full length for me well and, and, uh, or that uh pete seeger wrote it and gave it the wrong intention yeah the the, the line or whatever yeah and, and i think it also co- you know connects back to the whole idea of you know folklore and things being passed on by oral tradition rather than you know written down yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and that itself um, connects very nicely to the way that Dan finds out uh, about Dutchman's uh, Creek, which which is through a vague fishing journal that his grandfather that, that passes to him from his either his grandfather or his great grandfather. I, I forget which. Um, and like so much of this, so much of this story is conveyed through oral traditions. Like mm-hmm. the Reverend has to piece together Lottie's story by, you know, going around asking people, um, you, you know, Abe only finds out about this because he's kind of asking people like, has anybody heard about Dutchman's Creek? Um, you know, so it's, it's all these, you know, or, um, there's so much there's so much focus on like a quest for lost knowledge. It crops up with uh Reiner and Wilhelm too, where where like they mm. are seeking this knowledge. The fisherman is seeking lost knowledge. Um Cornelius is seeking lost knowledge. And it's all there's so much in this that is about the um it's it's essentially like that sort of like folk horror mechanic of like don't go to somewhere old and be like, hey, what's up with this weird building? Uh, that's probably the worst thing that you can do, as it turns out. Um, and people are doing it constantly, and they're like, "Huh, I, I wonder what's up with that." Or there's just so much like there's just so much wrung in different ways from the story on that idea of like forbidden knowledge, or even the the knowledge that um, uh, Helen and then later Lottie and later um, Abe are able to glean by kind of like glimpsing into the black ocean. Um, and, and hearing like these weird uncanny secrets that people, that people's like shadow selves are narrating, uh, mm-hmm. down there and like the doom that they bring on people. It's just a really effective mechanic that to Pete's point earlier, it's a theme that comes up again and again and again and again and again. And yes, it's kind of driven home, but it's more like driven home subliminally instead of someone ever being like, boy, there sure is a lot of hi- forbidden hidden knowledge that brings people doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if if we had gotten like a squee version of this book, it would have been called, you know, the the forbidden knowledge that brought no one any pleasure whatsoever. It it, it would have been called something like Twelve Tips for Fishing in in Dutchman's oh, God. Creek. Updated uh, 2022 version. Fuck. You made it a listicle. <laughs> I hate you. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> anyway, so so I did want to point out that um that the fisherman himself, uh, you know, like the the this is sort of like a weird sin that keeps on echoing through reality, right? 
because mm-hmm. the fisherman himself, he, you know, he lost his own wife, mm-hmm. right? His own family was killed in front of him. And that was the reason that he wanted to basically uh, wrestle and, and, and fish Le- the Leviathan or the world serpent or Apep or Apophis, you know, or, you know, several, several other, th- those are the, the several names that we get throughout the book. Um, it, to be fair, the, no one says, Oh, it, they definitely said a pop you know, it's like, no, no, it sounded like Apep. I don't know. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in any case, he is trying to wrestle. Basically he's trying to wrestle death, mm-hmm. you know, wrestle his loved ones away from death. And this is exactly what, like basically what Dan um, finds out, right? Like it's so, it's so sort of silly and simple and yet so chilling where when he finally confides in Abe that, yeah, like his, his little, uh, his, his grandfather's uh, fishing journal, he'd have like all these color coded inks and stuff like that. And just like a very laconic brief description, you know, caught, you know, five sunnies, you know, three bluegills saw ava mm-hmm. and you're like what <laughs> that was his wife's name abe he got saw he got into ava. anime and he, <laughs> <laughs> saw, he, saw finally, he finally understood you know, the secret to ava yeah. <laughs> saw the rebuild <laughs> um i i really liked the way that both the fisherman and reiner um kind of riffed on like the figures of like alchemists, especially kind of mm. the in the like gothic romantic tradition, which itself is kind of like a riff on uh the like a uh the wandering Jew um of these these kind of like you know s- slightly out of, I mean the fisherman especially um where he's kind of like very long lived traveling around he's you know he's he's got secrets um but he's kind of harried or or plagued uh by you know something that that haunts him and then that same thing manifests in uh Reiner basically being driven out of you know his uh, prestigious life into being like you know a common laborer but still maintaining this kind of like secret wisdom sorry Pete I cut you off there I heard you about to say something Oh, that's okay. I was just going to say, uh, you give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he'll grab Apep's lifeline. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's interesting, like going off in a little bit of a different direction. I, but while we're talking about Apep, I, I think it's interesting that they keep that, like, it's, he's mostly referred to as Leviathan, which is like, you know, a biblical reference in that, like, even though, like, it's clear that these people have touched, like, another world that's clearly not the you know afterlife that's been described in any sort of religious text that they still reach for those kind of terms to describe what they're seeing like it's like the only way they can like um you know really uh, situate it within their own like psychoscape mm-hmm. yeah and that's a very um th- yeah i i really like that that conceit of of like uh, th- these things are so unimaginable that that people have to kind of interpret them into however they understand the world. That's actually an older um, uh, I I don't know exactly the the right term to put it, but that that was a really popular idea in uh, 60s and 70s science fiction because um, there were a bunch of theories that came out around then that that ba- that basically tied like 
hallucinations from mental illness to cultural experiences. And it was this idea that like, you know, people like Americans who might have, who might um, have some condition like uh, schizophrenia will become obsessed with like very American cultural things. And, you know, if you are in a different country, the way that these conditions manifest is very, very different from, from what they might be for someone else from a different culture. And it was this idea mm. that that like unreality is somehow tied to our existing understanding of of the world. And this is cropped up again in um, I'm to- I'm totally forgetting the name for the particular type of uh, conspiracy theory, but there's a particular conspiracy theory that like UFOs, lizard people, Dracula, werewolves are all like manifestations of different extra extra dimensional beings basically and like if you believe in in angels you'll see an angel if you believe in you know uh cryptids you'll see bigfoot if you believe mm. in ufos you'll see a ufo um it's the plot uh, of communion what's communion oh i've heard the yeah. whitley striber uh oh neat book right or the mothman prophecies, the mothman prophecies you, yes yeah that's very much the the push behind that is like he starts exploring it it starts going down a rabbit hole to try and solve the mystery and over time he starts realizing that what he is looking for is what he finds and mm-hmm. if he looks for something else he finds something else that he's he's taking a supernatural inkblot test mm-hmm. I Chris, to your original point, I really liked the way that that played out specifically in the section with uh, Rainer and, and and Lottie because you have this this kind of like this this group of adventurers who each have you know a different background mm-hmm. and a different experience, and so like Italo is this such a funny name for an Italian guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's to be an Italian Italian Elon Musk. I mean, well, you know, if if, if it a pizza. If, if they'd uh, followed the same naming conventions for Reiner, he would have been Germano. Yeah, Germano. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and he's this this kind of like devout Catholic, uh, and and so you know he's he's dealing with things by you know reciting prayers in Latin, whereas Reiner is from this kind of like Germanic occult tradition, and he's seeing everything in in those terms. Um, and it was it was in the, the the use of like you know different like immigrants from different parts of the world uh, I thought was very effectively utilized there to kind of convey the, the breadth of the weirdness of this Mm -hmm. experience and break it out from this idea that, Oh, it's just like, well, you know, it's Leviathan, like from the Bible. And Mm -hmm. and then whereas like Reiner is appreciating it from the sense of like, well, I found like an ancient Egyptian alchemical text. And so I'm viewing it as, you know, something related to Osiris and not with uh, the Bible. Yeah. 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 God. Uh, Can I just say a true appreciation for like the, the, the description of what lot, because when, when Lottie, who is Reiner's daughter, uh, runs across the Helen, who is, I guess we should probably just give a, a quick description. Helen used to be their neighbor's wife mm-hmm. and she got in a horrible accident. She was killed. She was trampled to death. And uh, her husband goes up to the Dort Manor uh, in the dead of night 
and apparently gets a wish granted and you know later his wife is restored to life but she sort of walks funny she walks like someone whose every bone has been broken basically uh and she has like we've mentioned before she knows these dark secrets that she'll give to people and uh, you know she whispers to lottie and infects her with the I guess the, the poison of the black ocean and Lottie then slowly zooms in and she sees the black, black ocean from overhead and zooms in and zooms in. And it's like, just sees these bodies and she sees herself in the black ocean, just whispering, like basically pure id shit, you know, just like her, the vilest shit that she can imagine about everything. And that is such God, that was such an arresting and horrifying sort of image for me that it stayed with me. That, that was one of the things that made me like, I, I think I stopped when I got to that part and had to drive back home on vacation. Mm. And I was like trying to get home. I was like, fuck, I got to <laughs> find out what happens next. God damn it. <laughs> I, I have to say um, to that point, that was definitely one of the heights that that imagery where you really get a good glimpse of the black ocean for the first time was some of the heights of the imagery in this. And I have to say this felt when it was really clicking along on all cylinders, more like weird fiction than horror to me, mm-hmm. which is kind of a meaningless distinction. I, I think um, to some extent I'll, I'll, I'll fully admit that. Um, but it's, it's funny how like nothing nothing from this and this isn't meant as a criticism nothing from this really haunted me exactly i found it more interesting and part of that might just be that i'm not you know 16 anymore um but but there wasn't really anything in this that i found especially uh chilling um it was more it was more just alienating in a very cool way and again not a criticism um but it I, I don't know it was it was both exactly what i was expecting and somehow different than i was expecting if that makes any sense i'm struggling to explain myself and partly this is because i'm much more familiar with weird fiction than with like modern horror fiction i i i do think that you're you're probably correct in that uh, I, I in interviews i've i've listened to uh, Langan probably cops to this being closer to weird fiction, partly because um, it, it's it's much more literary. That that sounds like a backhanded compliment to horror uh, fiction, but but there is a certain uh, literariness to what he's doing here. You know, he's he's riffing on Moby Dick, and and like you said, Kurt, like I, he's he's also like structuring things in different ways to probably evoke different types of, of, you know, styles of writing um, as well. And each one of them to sort of fall within like the time period or the style of the time or, you know, what, what is needed for that part of the story. Um, And I believe Langan has, has did mention that he had some trouble trying to sell this, uh, uh, because the the horror imprints were like, yeah, this is all nice, but what about it's all this prose stuff? <laughs> and and so the and then the literary the more literary uh, uh, publishers were like, yeah, this is really nice. It's very well written. What's all this weird stuff about a 
black ocean. <laughs> just, I, just no, it can't win. Honestly, this is in a lot of ways. This is kind of it was kind of like a, like a perfect novel for me in terms of delivering on like what I wanted uh, f- from it. Um, I was just surprised that that's that that's what it delivered. If that if that makes sense. Hmm. You mean uh, in in the the combination of styles or well well that that kind of blend of like weird fiction and very like literary, uh like kind of like lit- literary horror uh, uh, yeah th- there's there's a lot of like literary experimentation it's a very very rich description um but but doesn't often have like a real sense of of urgency um it's it's kind of like languishing in the 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 bleakness and the strangeness of it um so i'm not surprised that it was a hard sell but it is a bit disheartening that it was a hard sell because this is exactly the kind of book that I'm like, now I want to read a bunch more books like this, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have laid this curse upon you, my son. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. It, it, it's definitely one of those books that, that got me really sort of back into thinking about like, you know, what, what, what is horror doing these days and, and stuff like that. Um, I I just really think it's also just a, a great read. And I won't, uh, I, I will say, uh, I should say that this was probably uh, one of those books that I read and then immediately said, oh, you know what? I got a story like that. Mm. <laughs> and then I wrote it. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this this probably uh, was the the most recent of the influences. Uh, but yeah, like honestly, why why not copy copy from the best? <laughs> um, I guess we should probably uh, wrap it up, bring our reels in, check to see if our lures are still intact. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, any, uh, any last thoughts? It's it's a very good book. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I thought it was really really uh, terrific. The only the the only the, uh, apart from from what what I said about kind of like the middle section just being a little less of what I loved about the book and was it was like it switched to something else that that I still liked, um, but it was just less of what I was loving. Uh, about the book, but definitely one of the best books that I I have read um, in in a while. Very exciting, just use of prose styles and just structure and and good imagery that didn't feel cribbed. From it, it, it's funny how it 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 all feels very familiar, but it doesn't feel overly familiar. It's not like oh, this is just straight from from like you know my mind raced through. I already mentioned like you know, HP Lovecraft and Lord Dunsany and Stephen King. And it touched, it bounced through like Clive Barker and like, uh, Mike Mignola at a couple of points, like, <laughs> like the obsession with like fish imagery is very Hellboy. Oh um, yeah. What if, what if this is about, is about Abe Sapien and he's like, I don't find these fish people weird at all. This is very <laughs> normal to me. Well, he, he um, goes into the diner and he points at the, at the, uh, th- th- that's a bigoted, uh, that's a bigoted comic strip. Yeah. <laughs> those fish people. <laughs> it was wrong with fish people. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's like, I feel like this is not my place, Red. Yeah. 
but yeah, top top marks from me. Thank you for recommending it or for putting it up as a as the episode because it was great. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. All right. So, uh, anything else? We should read when... some more horror uh, at some point. Um, for yeah, this, yeah, for sure. Contemporary weird fiction. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, maybe this is becoming a horror podcast. <laughs> Well, we do, ha- we do, we do have that, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, alternate title, uh, every- we can pull out it at any time. Graveside Picnic. Yes, sir. Literature, the fantastic baby. We, yeah. we can- yeah. So I, I'd like to, uh, pursue Missile Gap sometime soon. If you guys are down. What? Mi- what? Missile Gap? Missile oh, Gap. Missile- oh, Missile Gap. I think it's said Missile Gap. And I was like, is this a weird German occult term? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm in, I'm in. I got my fishing rod. I'm good to go. Rainier, is that you? It's a it's an it's an old electronic uh, German band. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes, yes to that, Pete. I'm on yeah. board. Yes, yes, I I agree. All right. Um. So if that is that, thanks everyone for for uh, uh, humoring me yet once again and reading uh, the Fisherman with me. Uh, thanks everyone for listening in, and we'll catch you next time here at Podside. <laughs>